order to honor the victims and hopefully honor those who lost dear loved ones, we're going to spend a moment to uh, read out the names of each person whose life was prematurely taken, whose life was precious in the eyes of God, with hopes and dreams, layers of backgrounds, stories, and who left families and loved ones devastated because of what had happened to them. Xiao Jie Tan, I'm owner of one of the businesses and mother to a daughter. Hun Jung Grant, single mother of two boys. Dao Yu Feng, Sun Jung Park, Sunja Kim, Young E Yu, Elena Ashley Young, who was recently married and a mother to a 13 year old son and eight month old daughter, and Paul Andre Michaels, a former Army infantryman who owned a business installing security systems and was doing work for one of the businesses. We don't have the information for every single person, and so we're working off of the limited information we have at the time of speaking their names. March 28th will mark Palm Sunday, and at a 4 p.m. vigil, churches will be remembering those killed. Gatherings organized by the Asian American Christian Collaborative, seeking to create a space to grieve, to show solidarity with Asian Americans around the country. And while each event is different, all will have one message, stop the hate. The vigils taking place in Atlanta, Dallas, Chicago, Los Angeles, and Baltimore are among the hundreds of vigils that have been organized around the country by community-based groups and individuals who simply felt called to remember those who've been slain. Welcome to Inspired, a production of Interfaith Voices. I'm your host, Umbreen Khan. The Asian American community is incredibly diverse, and that includes religious affiliations, identities, and practices. In 2012, the Pew Research Center published Asian Americans, a Mosaic of Faith. Now, although this report is almost a decade old, it offers a vivid portrait of a diverse set of practices and beliefs of Asian Americans, a group, I might add, that includes nearly 23 million people across the United States and territories, including myself. The title Mosaic is appropriate when you look at the major subgroups. For example, while half of Indian Americans identify as Hindu and a plurality of Vietnamese Americans identify as Buddhist, Among Japanese Americans, we see a mix of Christians, Buddhists, and the unaffiliated. But there is one religious tradition that stands out in this report. The number of Asian Americans who identify as Christian. 
42%. But even here, there are differences. Across the group's affiliation under that big tent of Christianity varies widely. While a majority of Filipinos identify as Catholic, Korean Americans identify as Protestant. But regardless of ethnic origin or denominational affiliation, one shared experience is bringing Asian American Christians together. One of our friends posted something on his Facebook wall about anti-Asian racism. And then he got a comment from a Christian church leader, called him a snowflake. And then we just decided we need to do something about it. The first person I thought of was Michelle. And uh, we just expanded this group uh, that started as a Facebook chat. And overnight, it grew to a thousand people. And then it grew into a Facebook group. That's Raymond Chang from our first conversation in July of 2020. It was the middle of the pandemic, and as anti-Asian sentiments were growing, both he and organizers were stunned to see that sentiment creeping into a place they least expected, their church communities. Now, by July, Chang, who's based in Chicago, and Michelle Ami Reyes, who's Indian-American and based in Austin, Texas, the two had turned their chats into a Facebook group, and then began organizing and networking with Asian-American Christians around the country. And their first call to action was a sign-on statement. Hoping to raise awareness of their goals, they used it to reach out across denominations, inviting fellow Christians to speak out. Signatures quickly appeared. Here's Reyes reading the opening of that first statement. We, the undersigned, join together as Asian-American Christians and community leaders to denounce the current rise in overt anti-Asian racism throughout our country. And we called for an immediate end to xenophobic rhetoric, hate crimes, and violence against our people and communities and invited all Americans to join us. And we did this first because we we were seeing uh, that more of our, our friends were experiencing racism across the spectrum and were, were being denied uh, that reality. They were being called snowflakes or, or other terms, basically saying, uh, we either don't believe you that, that you're experiencing this, or uh, the type of racism you're experiencing is, is probably not that bad. So it's best that you just stop talking about it. And so we wanted to elevate these experiences, um, give validity and highlight them. But we also wanted to to equip and empower our own community to recognize the ways in which we have perpetuated racism in different ways, the sort of um, anti-Blackness and colorism that we have embodied as we call out anti-Asian racism for fellow Asian Americans to seek opportunities for solidarity with other ethnic and racial minorities so that we can advocate together. Because the last thing we wanted to do was to say, hey, our house is burning. You know, we need help while not recognizing that Asian Americans haven't always done well at caring for other people's houses when they've been burning. The group began as a way to amplify concerns and educate, resisting the activism rhetoric of a lot of secular groups. Instead, they sought to create a space for evangelicals to call each other into this fellowship, and as Reyes points out, to do that work internally as well with Asian Americans on issues of anti-Black racism and confronting how Asian Americans, too, have been racialized in what some, like Isabel Wilkerson, describe as America's caste system. Their efforts have continued as reporting shows bias incidents have soared. 
According to researchers with Stop the Hate, nearly 4,000 self-reported hate crimes have been documented, with more than 500 taking place in 2021. And in all that data, there is a deeply disturbing trend of who is targeted. According to researchers and law enforcement, women and the elderly are increasingly the targets of violent encounters. And houses of worship associated with Asian Americans are now reporting incidents of vandalism. As news broke of the targeting of three Asian American businesses in Georgia by a gunman, local Korean community media reported accounts not covered in mainstream media, including eyewitnesses from one of the businesses stating that the suspect now in custody yelled, kill all Asians. Now, as criticisms of law enforcement leaders in Cherokee County grew, as the press statements amplified the suspect's defense, claiming that he was having a bad day and was struggling with a sex addiction, and highlighting his membership in a local church. Asian-American advocates and journalists began to cry foul as media outlets resisting naming the killing and targeting of Asian-American businesses and Asian-American women as a hate crime. And that included the leaders of the Asian-American Christian Collaborative. I talked to Raymond from his home in Chicago earlier this week by Zoom. He is exhausted, operating on two hours of sleep, and I quickly found out on little food. Let me do a quick sound check. Can I ha- to have you tell me what you had for breakfast? I didn't eat. I haven't eaten pretty much for the week. Chang is taking every invitation extended to build awareness and find partners. Shortly before we spoke, he was doing a radio interview with Moody Christian Broadcasting. What we're trying to do is basically get the word out and anyone that will listen to us and hear us and, and stand with us, you know, those are the people that we're trying to reach. What happens to one of us really does happen to all of us. We're all tied together in a garment of mutuality. You mentioned that there is a lot of support for former President Trump coming from conservative white evangelical churches. I'm wondering if the events and the tragedy from March 16th has led to greater outreach from organizations and leaders who are not the regular voices speaking out. There's been a greater awakening around the problems that uh, the former president Donald Trump has caused for Christians and for Christian witness. And still, I mean, we know that many white evangelicals still support, you know, Donald Trump. And and we're hoping that they would see the harm that he's done to uh, not just our community, but many other communities uh, in the process, especially women and Asian Americans. Can you describe what you're organizing on Palm Sunday? I've been working with local Christian leaders in uh, in a variety of cities, but first in Atlanta, and we're convening to stand for AAPI Lives and Dignity and uh, to stand against uh, anti-Asian hate. We will be uh, connecting at 4 p.m. Uh, in Atlanta, and we also have other cities that are currently planning for a synchronous gathering in Los Angeles, in New York, in Chicago, and potentially some other cities. We do hope that for something as egregious as what we have seen in the last couple of months with, with five Asian Americans uh, being killed, and then with Atlanta uh, and, and the shootings that took place there, where eight people uh, were killed, uh, six of whom were Asian women, that there would be a more unified and a more stronger uh, voice to condemn uh, the things that have led to this. Because, I mean, what we do know is that uh, the, the shooter was discipled and grew up in a white evangelical Southern Baptist church. 
And there are sects within the Southern Baptist Church that have uh, attitudes and dispositions that would seem very similar to potentially lead to things like this, even though they would condemn it outright and say this has nothing to do with our views. What we've seen in terms of attitudes of race is that conservative leaning Christians who are seeking to promote a colorblindness that doesn't interrogate the ways that white supremacy has been a part of the fabric of this country and the church within the country. And so we're hoping that there's some level of repentance, that there's some level of awareness that grows within the communities, but also that, you know, what we're trying to do is, is work with those um, who are are willing to work with us as well. You're calling fellow Christians to repent. What is the response? We've already gotten uh, national support from Christian leaders all throughout the country, including the president of the National Association for Evangelicals, the NAE, Walter Kim, uh, Nikki Toyamasito, who is the executive director for Christians for Social Action, uh, Eugene Cho, who helped draft the statement for Bread for the World, seminary presidents, uh, founder of Sojourners, Jim Wallace, uh, and the president, Adam Taylor. I mean, so we have a broad range of support. As you describe that call for repentance, it, it takes me to the statement in which the first request that you're asking calling Christians and church leaders to confess a failure to disciple congregants out of Christian nationalism and to specifically address dehumanizing and objectifying falsehoods about women and racially minoritized groups. And when you talk about colorblindness as an ethos that fosters or creates space for, for those types of attitudes to grow, is that something that you would describe as a problem that evangelical churches are addressing? Do you think that March 16th has has galvanized and and led to kind of this internal reflection? I think with some more so, right? I mean, there are more white congregations that I've seen engaged in the work than I've seen before, but there's also a surge of resistance from some white congregations because they feel like Talking about race is the agenda of Marxism or uh, critical race theory or socialism or, I mean, you just name it. And anytime uh, white supremacy has been challenged in the, in the history of our country, of the United States, one of the things that we find is that, you know, that there is a significant uprise in resistance. And sadly, a section of the kind of conservative white evangelical church thinks that by ignoring issues of race and by saying that race isn't a thing or a factor, um, that they don't see how that's harmful. Racialization is the creation of a framework where there is a dominant race and then every other race is subdominant. But then how the dominant race chooses to perceive and stereotype and typecast all of the subdominant racial groups is the process of racialization. And so African-Americans are oftentimes considered to be dangerous and to be a threat and to be violent. Asians are racialized to be quiet, submissive, to put our heads down, to never complain, to never raise our voice. And especially for Asian women to be exotic, to be fetishized and to be objectified. So Asian women are racialized in a sexualized way to be perceived as as essentially objects for male pleasure. When you organize the Asian American Christian Collaborative with co-founder Michelle Ami Reyes, did you ever imagine that you'd be in this place? No, I mean, 
like, I just want to live a simple life, a quiet life with my wife and, you know, with my, with my friends and family, but you know, like, I, I, and I'm not the first person to join in this, in this fight or to join in this kind of effort, but I think we need more voices to be a part of it. And one of the things that we're finding is that Asian American Christians and uh, evangelical Christians and Christians in general are are in need of theologies that can contend with the realities that we're facing that are consistent with the scriptures. Unfortunately, because of kind of deeper commitments to whiteness and white supremacy, uh, misogyny and chauvinism sometimes, and the ways that those have gone uninterrogated, it almost seems like Christianity has nothing meaningful to say about this stuff. But that's absolutely not true. There is a systematic theology that comes out of the black liberation theology, uh, feminist liberation theology. There, There is. And this is what's hard is that, you know, sometimes the evangelical theological commitments are tainted by the evangelical political commitments because the political uh, force of the moral majority really shaped and discipled the imaginations of so many people, uh, especially evangelicals and more specifically white evangelicals. But there are sufficient resources within the historic Christian church, like even the simple belief that we're all made in the image of God, that whether you believe in Jesus or you don't believe in Jesus, whether you follow Jesus or you don't, that you are a precious bearer of God's image, that you are made to his delight. But there's such a blindness because people don't know how to navigate race, because people don't even know how to navigate issues of of sexism and the sexualized racism that we see that, that has led to the events in Atlanta. Raymond Chang is the president and co-founder of the Asian American Christian Collaborative. He's a writer and pastor serving as campus minister at Wheaton College and lives in the Chicagoland area. Dr. Michelle Amireyes is the vice president and co-founder of the Asian American Christian Collaborative. In addition to her activism, she's a church planter. She, along with her husband, co-planted Hope Community Church a minority-led, multicultural house of worship that serves low-income and disadvantaged communities in East Austin, Texas. Coming up, historian Julie Ingersoll offers context on what sexual addiction may mean in evangelical circles. In the evangelical subculture, there are such strong restrictions on expressions of sexuality that most people can't even comprehend. So it's not just about committing adultery. It's about having lustful thoughts. So your very mind itself is at war with you. You're listening to Inspired, a production of Interfaith Voices. Stay with us. Hi, friends. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of our community. I don't know if you know this, but we are on the air all the way from Richmond, Virginia to Ketchikan, Alaska, and in so many places in between. We're a national show, and we are a small and mighty team committed to bringing you stories and sounds from around the world that convey not only the diversity and the pluralism of our country, but the beliefs that are shaping our world, our politics, our culture, and the ideas that sustain us and inspire us to think about where we are going. 
And that brings me to this question. If you value us, if you enjoy listening and appreciate what you're hearing, I want to ask you to take a moment to consider becoming a sustaining member of Interfaith Voices or make a one-time donation at interfaithradio.networkforgood.com. That's interfaithradio.networkforgood.com. Thank you, and let's get back to the show.